Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sabbath School Quarterly Podcast. My name is Courtney Tyler and I'm excited to be sharing with you just a few thoughts from lesson number three, which is entitled The Root of Restlessness. Let's just say a quick prayer as we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you've given us your word and that by it we can be changed. I just ask that as we study today that you'll speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin today by talking about the same example the lesson study actually uses because I believe it gives us a really great framework to be able to understand the different topics that the lesson covers this week. It talks about the aspen trees and the aspen trees, although beautiful, have one of the largest root systems in the world that can actually become somewhat problematic. And we're going to talk talk about today how restlessness in our lives and where we have our roots, I guess you could say, can actually prevent us from finding true rest in Christ. And sometimes we don't even realize that this is happening to us, just like we may not even know where the roots of a tree system might be going until it's very evidently too late. And so we're going to talk today about where our roots are. And although the lesson doesn't bring up some of these verses, I'm going to refer to them. Now in Psalms chapter one, verse three, it says that the righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. There's a similar verse in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, that talks about the man that trusts in God. It says that he is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And so we're going to ask the question a lot this episode, where are my roots? Where are your roots? We're going to be asking that from a different perspective as we look at the different topics covered throughout this week. And so Sunday begins by talking about how Jesus brings division in the sense that Matthew 10 talks about. And it highlights Jesus talking and saying that he did not come to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And it goes on to say that he would set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And it goes on and talks about how a father or mother cannot be loved more than him. Someone in your family cannot be put above him or you're not worthy of him. And it can be hard to reconcile this idea of Jesus being Prince of Peace, but yet also saying that he doesn't bring peace, but a sword. And Matthew 10, really, if we go underneath what it's saying, is talking about our allegiances and our loyalties. It's actually quoting the Old Testament in Micah 7, and Jesus is challenging his audience to make choices for eternity, that we would have no one else or nothing else above him in our lives. And so we see that these passages are really emphasizing the reality that our hearts will be restless until it's him that we seek first. And Sunday's lesson goes on to emphasize this idea of worthy or where we find our worth. There's a quote from the lesson I just want to read that says that worthiness is not based on high moral standards or even overcoming sin. Worthiness is based on one's relationship with Jesus. And really, in many ways, this quote is the foundation of both the issue and the solution discussed this week in the lesson. Where are we drawing our worth, our value, our identity from? And when it's the right place, we thrive, just like the tree planted by the streams of water, or you could say the living water of of Jesus. But when we're seeking things that don't satisfy, all sorts of things go wrong, as we'll see as we go on. I found a really interesting quote this week, just in my personal study that said, we have to learn how to be loved by God. And I think that process of learning to find our worth and our identity and our value in him first 
is crucial for everything else to fit around it. I actually had someone challenge me, someone I respect, challenge me recently on this whole idea of where I find my worth. And it was uncomfortable. And I think I'm still trying to be on that journey of discovery, but it's necessary for us to really look internally and see, are we finding our worth in our close relationships and what people think of us or our career or our achievements, things we're good at, or even ministry, how we're involved in our local church and reaching others. But our worth needs to be based first and foremost in our relationship with Jesus. And we'll keep coming back to this as we continue. So Monday actually addresses selfishness and talks about brother that comes to Jesus from the crowd and says, there's an inheritance that my brother has. And Jesus says to him in verse 15 of Luke 12, to take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And it goes on and Jesus talks about many things to him. But in verse 21, you can read the passage yourself, but in verse 21, it says to lay up basically not treasures on earth, because if you want to be rich to lay up your treasures in God. And so what's interesting is the lesson stops it there, but I want to go on in the passage in Luke 12, after verse 21, it goes on and it talks about not worrying about your life or what you will eat or your body or the things you'll put on is life more than food and the body more than clothing and how we should consider the ravens and how God feeds them and how worrying doesn't add anything to our lives. Consider the lilies and how they grow. And if God can clothe these things, how much more can he look after us? And then of course, that classic verse, it's actually verse 31 here in Luke 12. It says to seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And then verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it just reminded me actually of a live stream that I heard Ty Gibson doing a little while ago. And he actually said something that I've been thinking about ever since. He said that worry is a soft form of atheism. And I was like, oh, the more I think about it, I actually realize he's onto something because when we worry resting in the promises of God, the assurance of his provision. Instead, when I worry, I start to look to self for the solutions to my dilemmas. And in a sense, worry is a symptom of selfishness, of not looking to him, but looking to me, myself, to to find the solutions. And so a theme is beginning to emerge here that we'll see as the lesson continues. On Sunday, it highlighted that our worth is not found anywhere other than Jesus, And that we shouldn't esteem any relationship higher than our relationship with him, even those we love, but that he needs to be first. And then on Monday section, as we've just covered, that we have to be careful that we're not becoming so obsessed with temporary things, coveting possessions and then seeking self-sufficiency, grasping at straws when we worry. We do need to be wise and savvy with the blessings of God, of course, but this is an exhortation to us to guard ourselves from becoming engrossed and obsessed and always seeking more with the intention of being self-sufficient. We don't want to become our own saviors. That's a responsibility that we don't have to bear. Um, We need to look to him and make sure that our worry is not becoming a soft form of atheism. And I can't help but relate this to the current climate we see in the world around us and how every time there's a COVID spike, the supermarket shelves become bare and worry just can drive us to excessive attempts towards self-sufficiency. And so it comes back to that question we're going to ask a lot. Where are our roots? What are we seeking? Are we connected to the source? Are we planted by the river of life and trusting in God to sustain us? And yeah, let's just not be people who rely on temporary things, but have an eternal perspective in mind. And we'll talk about that a little bit more 
later at the end as well. The lesson also mentions Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8, which is a favorite passage of mine. And I just want to read it. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And it's amazing because if you read a little further in verses, you know, nine to 11, it talks about how because he stepped down from heaven in love for us, therefore God has also exalted him. And it's the reason every knee should bow and tongue confess that he is um, Lord to the glory of God, the father. And it's a very opposite character, that selflessness of God, very opposite to what we see in Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 15 about Lucifer who was so determined in his heart to ascend into heaven, exalt his throne above the stars of God, sit on the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Over and over again, he's saying, I will, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, but yet he'll be brought down. And it's amazing because Lucifer desired God's power, but not his character. And you can see in your own life and and sometimes in the lives of others, clearly whose spirit we have in us, dependent on what we're seeking. Self-centered at the expense of anyone is completely opposite to our Jesus, who is utterly selfless in order to save everyone. And Ellen White has that amazing quote in Councils to the Church, where she talks about how Christ's self-sacrificing love is revealed upon the cross. That man might be saved. He gave all that he had and then gave himself. The cross of Christ appeals to the benevolence of every follower of the blessed Savior. The principles there illustrated is give. And this carried out actual benevolence and good works is the true fruit of the Christian life. The principle of worldlings is get, and thus they expect to secure happiness. But carried out in all its bearings, the fruit is misery and death. And so we have this contrast of characters. We have our Jesus whose principle is give and and our enemy whose principle is get. Give leads to life, get leads to death. And so I love the beginning of Philippians 2 because it gives us the solution. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We don't have to stay in a get, get mindset. Instead, we can be blessed to have his mind in us, um, especially when like a tree planted by the water, we're connected to the source. Um, We can ask daily for his mind in us, daily for the Holy Spirit to be able to be like him and have an attitude that gives and gives. So as it continues on in the lesson study, Tuesday starts to talk about ambition. And we have this story in Luke 22, verses 14 to 30 about who is the greatest. Now, again, I guess you could say that selfishness, you can spin it and see all these different angles in which it presents itself and ambition can be one of them. And so we're going to look at this story and you can read it in your own time, but basically you know how it goes. It's right before Jesus goes to the cross. This is the last supper and he has brought his disciples together and you can only imagine his disappointment when right there in the room as as he's wanting to direct their minds to what is about to take place they're arguing about who's the greatest they're arguing about basically comparison and there's dissension among them and i just love what he does but i before we talk about what he does i want us to just see really clearly that comparison can be the result of yeah seeking self position and it really can Now the lesson moves on and on Tuesday, 
we're shown just, I guess, one of the ways selfishness can present itself. There are many ways, and we'll see a few more before we end this podcast today. But we see through the story of the Last Supper in Luke 22, and you can check it out in your time there. In Luke 22, where they're all in that room, and and Jesus is wanting to point their minds towards where they were about to head in the next few days, his sacrifice for them. And in that moment, they're arguing about who's greatest. And I don't know how this must have felt, but you can imagine Jesus, just his heart sinking a little. And it really just shows us that comparison, it really can result in either pride or insecurity. It brings division and is yet another fruit of seeking worth in all the wrong places. And so Jesus here does something so powerful to demonstrate the character of God. He shows them with his actions the clearest example of selflessness. And this would have been such a poignant rebuke because Jesus doesn't like excessively go off in anger, but instead he just shows them the way that he would desire for them to be. He demonstrates, he leads them by example. Now, White has a quote on this on page 649 of Desire of Ages. And she says, no one was so exalted as Christ. And yet he stooped to the humblest duty that his people might not be misled by the selfishness which dwells in the natural heart and which strengthens self-serving. Christ himself set the example of humility. He was just trying to set up a kingdom that's so different to the way that sinful humans act on different principles. And he's calling them to, yeah, to not look to power and position and talent and education and authority, but to serve. And often we can find ourselves in the same position as those disciples getting distracted by so many things. But here's an opportunity for us to realize our need to be cleansed. Jesus washed their feet, an example of them being cleansed and how often we need to reunify ourselves with those around us as well, which only comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our worth or our roots to use our example being found in the right places. And so it's a great opportunity for us to really assess in our lives if there's people that we need to make it right with as well. It's also just a really good time to recognize that service is a powerful antidote for selfishness. It's a great opportunity for us to gather with those around us and and in the process of serving, be joined closer together as we do mission for him. And so it's a great time to just ask ourselves, how can we walk as Jesus walked and serve others this week? Not just tell the love of Christ, but show it in practical ways to others. Another way that selfishness can present itself is through hypocrisy. And the lesson on Wednesday takes us to Matthew 23. And again, you can check that out in your time. But basically, it highlights the way the Pharisees had their ways of making the law a burden, you could say, to those around them and making up extra responsibilities and and extra ways that they had to keep the law. And they were so, you know, meticulous about how they tithed and what they did and how they wore, you know, the law attached to them and things that they did to try and show that they were holy men. And Jesus just calls them out. Woe to you, he says over and over, because you are hypocrites. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men and neither go in yourselves. That's verse 13 of Matthew 23. And it just shows us really clearly that they covered their inward emptiness with outward show. Hypocrisy isn't really so much about our actions. It's an issue of our heart. And how often do we fall into the same trap? I, I can relate to this in times when perhaps my journey has been more surface level than it should have been, that it's easy to cover inward emptiness with the guise of outward show, you know, I'm doing lots for you, God, but how's our heart condition? Where are our roots planted? And this appeal is a very strong one that he makes to 
the Pharisees. He really wants to get their attention and he really calls them out very strongly in this passage for their hypocrisy. But I want to highlight what, again, what Desire of Ages says about this. This is page 353. It says, Christ himself did not suppress one word of truth, which you see him doing here in this passage, but he spoke it always in love. He exercised the greatest tact and thoughtful kind attention in his intercourse with the people. He was never rude, never needlessly spoke a severe word, never gave needless pain to a sensitive soul. He did not censure human weakness. He fearlessly denounced hypocrisy, unbelief, and iniquity. And this part is what I love. But tears were in his voice as he uttered his scathing rebukes. The passage goes on, it says that they being the Jewish people, the Pharisees, rejected him, the saviour, but he regarded them with pity and tenderness and sorrow so deep that it broke his heart and every soul was precious in his eyes. And so here he is calling them out, trying to help them see their emptiness, to help them see the need for their roots to be placed somewhere else. And so this day of the lesson is a great opportunity for us to checkpoint Am I experiencing inward emptiness that I'm trying to cover with outward show? Is this another symptom that shows me I need to put my roots in the right place in the living waters of life? Because otherwise, like 1 Corinthians 13 says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Let's check where our worth is from and put our roots deep in the living waters of life. Thursday talks about uprooting the restlessness we have. And I love the solution it presents. And it goes to John 14. And begins to unpack that passage where it says that our hearts don't have to be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in him. Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am there, you may be also. And then it goes on. And in verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And I want to bring two points out of this passage the first one is eternal perspective. It's so easy for us in our day and age, in our work, in the day, to get caught up in temporary things, to become selfish because the world around us operates, as we talked about earlier, on that principle of get. Put self first, establish yourself, and we need to be responsible in this life, yes, but it always puts things into perspective when we remember that, how Jesus is preparing a place for us. There's more to life than just here. And so we need to ask for him to help us to have eternal perspective, to be able to uproot restlessness in our lives, to be able to fix the selfishness problem. Sometimes we need to remember that this time on earth is so short compared to eternity in the future. And as Jesus said in verse six, he's the way, the truth and the life. And we only access the rest of forever through relationship with him, which is also what John 17, three says that, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Because eternal life is not merely living forever, but eternal life is knowing him. And I guess something I've been contemplating in the last little while has been Exodus 33, and especially verse 14, which is Moses talking with God. And basically, he's just really begging God to really lead the people of Israel at that time. And you can check out the chapter, Exodus 13, but verse 14, God says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest, which is really linking the whole idea that rest is not merely just recreation, taking a break, having a sleep in, relaxing, doing whatever we enjoy, but true biblical rest is actually found in the presence of God. 
and coming to know his character. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't just say be still. It says, be still and know that I am God. Our true rest, the way to uproot restlessness in our lives, selfishness in our lives, is found in our relationship, in our connection, in, in knowing him better, in going deeper with him, spending more time with him. Audrey Assad has an amazing song called Restless, which came to mind as I was studying this lesson. And it has a lyric that says, I'm restless, I'm restless till I rest in you, oh God. And it's something I know in my life, I'm constantly learning how to do better. But when we're struggling, when I'm struggling, sometimes feeling empty, feeling like perhaps it's more of an outward show, because let's be honest, sometimes we find ourselves in that position, we allow busyness to get the best of us, and we can be feeling distant or noticing selfishness taking over. And when we're struggling in that space, it's the time for us to go, man, I need to return and rest in him. Return to the cross. Remember Philippians 2 again. Notice his sacrifice and return to the cross and stay there until his sacrifice motivates us to live afresh for him. There's a few quotes I want to share on this and one of them is from Sons and Daughters of God on page 340 and it says, The Lord Jesus loves you. If you doubt his love, look to Calvary. The light reflected from the cross shows you the magnitude of that love which no tongue can tell. Just another one from Steps to Christ. Because it's so beautiful, I have to include this one too. It's page 103 and it says, We must gather about the cross. Christ and him crucified should be the theme of contemplation, of conversation, and of our most joyful emotion. We should keep in our thoughts every blessing we receive from God and when we realize his great love, we should be willing to trust everything to the hand that was nailed to the cross for us. And so as we come to the end of this lesson, this study, I believe there's a really great opportunity for practical application. You know, we've been making little ones all the way through, but I really want to encourage you if you're a Sabbath school leader to make it a priority to make sure you have time for this in your lesson study this week, because what we study needs to change our lives. That's actually what is most important. And so take some time for self-reflection to really ask ourselves the question, how is selfishness taking root in my life personally? Or what about in my church? How is that impacting where I'm seeking my worth? Do I need to return to the cross and stay there until my heart's moved afresh by his sacrifice? Do I need to take practical steps to starve the selfishness in, in, in my life? Perhaps it's the temporary things that I'm focusing on or maybe I'm trying to gain people's approval too much or social media is affecting the way I'm comparing myself and causing me to either be prideful or jealous or whatever it is for you. Is there practical steps that I need to take? And I know I need this reminder regularly to allow God to do the transformative work in my life, to make sure that my roots you know, are planted in the living water and found in him. And I just want to close with a quote because I really believe that Jesus is coming soon. Now's the time for us to be searching our hearts, to be asking these questions and seeking to reconcile with those around us. And unity is is a big part of this. Selfishness brings division, but selflessness brings unity. And so this is a quote from 5th Testimony, page 236. And it talks about how union is strength and division is... And it goes on and talks about when... Those who believe present truth are united. They exert a telling influence. And Satan understands this. 
He's never been more determined than now to make of none effect the truth of God by causing bitterness and dissension among the Lord's people. If there was ever a time when the people of God should press together, it is now. God has committed to us the special truths for this time to make known to the world. If our characters testify of its sanctifying power, we shall be a continual light to others, living epistles known and read by all men. We cannot afford now to give place to Satan by cherishing disunion, discord, and strife. And so may we not allow selfishness to take root. Instead, may we be found with our roots running deep into the living water who is Jesus. And may we find our rest in him. So God bless you this week. And I just pray that, yeah, your study of the lesson will be fruitful and your discussion on Sabbath will be amazing.